Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. This morning I want to uh, preach on a message called Build It for the King. And this is the last of our Build It series messages. And uh, this is about um, what we're building and why we're building it. And uh, so we're going to read from Matthew chapter 2 and verse uh, 1. where We're going to be preaching, uh, speaking predominantly from the New Living Translation this morning. So Matthew 2 and verse 1 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. In Judea, during the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Now, I just want to stop there. I just had a thought about that during what I... um, It is incredible how wise men come from the east and say... The king of the Jews has been born. Now, King Herod gets freaked out because he's the king. You can understand that. You're the king. Another king has been born. He likes being king. Why would you want to give over your throne to somebody else? A king has been born. He doesn't like the idea of a king being born that he didn't produce himself. And uh, so, so you can understand that. But it says, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Now, everyone incru- includes the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, and just about anybody else that's a C involved. And, and all of these people are freaked out that the King of Kings has been born. Now, they know what this means. He, Herod goes to them and he says to them, where is he going to be born? And they say he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And, uh, and he's you know, deeply concerned and they're all concerned that the King is coming. Because they're building for themselves a kingdom that isn't from God. And now they're worried that God has turned up. Isn't that extraordinary? They've been waiting thousands of years for Jesus to be born. And now it's announced that he has been born. They're like, what? No, not on our watch. We were having so much fun. And so it's incredible. Do you know, I want to say to you that... There are many people building many things in life. And the enemy is also building his kingdom in this time. Jesus said to Peter that the, um, what did he say? (laughs) The gates of hell shall not prevail. It suddenly went, I am building my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God is building his church. But you know what? The enemy is also building his agenda. There are many people come to church building their own agenda. We probably all come with our own personal agenda for something because we're human. And it's as we come into the house that, that God transforms us. And we come, some, I've met, met some people, I've met some young guys that come to church because they're looking for chicks. And, uh, and that's why they, they, they just say, that's why we're here, you know. And sometimes, and then you kind of go, yeah, I, you know, as kind of a, a father and, and the pastor of the house, I kind of feel a little defensive and I sort of make a move to just make sure that, you know, appropriately dealt with. Uh, and uh, I don't even know that makes sense. But, you know, <coughs> it was, you know, just, 
we want to make sure, but we keep them in the house because we want Jesus to get into their heart. Some people come um, having come from occultic backgrounds and uh, there are people involved in witchcraft. I met, uh, I met a man in, in a park um, a few couple of years back or so uh, that knew everything about me. He knew uh, about my family, knew where we lived, he knew everything about the church. Uh, and, uh, but he also, in trying to be clever, revealed huge amounts about what goes on in the occult realm in their agenda to destroy the house. And I just laughed because he, he revealed way too much than he should have done. He was trying to be clever. He's trying to intimidate me. But he actually revealed what their strategy is and how they determine to put people in the church and, and people who, who come to cause heartache and pain and, uh, and distress. But the, this is the fact. I've met people who I know. They don't know that I know, but I know who they are. <laughs> And, and why, why do we have them in the house? Well, because the fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers. And Jesus comes to set them free. And a lot of these people are manipulated and controlled, some of them even sexually, and they're just being bound by the enemy. But Jesus came to set them free. And we are here to work with them, knowing what their agenda is, having been working, because they come to build something, but Jesus has come to build something far superior. And what he builds is far superior. The gates of hell shall not prevail. In other words, whatever is going on in people's hearts and people's lives, whatever agenda people carry within their lives, Jesus is going to build his house right on top of them. And the God of salvation is going to transform their lives. And that is why we are in this house just loving each person, loving everybody, regardless of where they're from or what's going on, helping, hoping to steer them and hoping that they are going to one day be able to make a strong decision and give their life to Christ. Amen? That was a by the by. Uh, you can have that for free. <laughs> it says here, and so, when we, I gave you the story, and it says, so in verse 7, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from that time the star first appeared. He told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. When you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Isn't that incredible that, that no one from Jerusalem went with the wise men to find out where the king was born? That they sent him, but no one wanted to go with him because no one was interested in who Jesus actually was. And verse 9, it says, After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the, uh, the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I want to say to you in this Christmas season that if ever you want advice as to a special gift to buy the person you love the most, then always go to the wise men. They have jewellery, they have perfume, and they have uh, face cream. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you, you, know, you know that you're onto a surefire winner that if, if you, you buy one of those three things, or all three things, in fact... <laughs> You're, you're, the person you love is going to love you even more. And uh, actually, uh, every Christmas I like to, like to buy at least one of those things uh, for the special person in my life. Generally, I go for anti-wrinkle cream, but... 
But, <laughs> but it is also it is also quite expensive. I have found that Aldi also do a good line, uh, and uh, and it doesn't burn your skin off, which is a relief. So, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> So, you know, there, there are gifts which the, the, uh, the wise men who came from the east, they brought them to the king. And we are here working for God and we're here to build as he is building. He is the builder. He's the master builder. But a master builder always has laborers. And we are the laborers that he is using to build his house. And, and some people have said, you know, I don't need to do anything. Jesus said he will build the church. And, and that's just a, uh, an, a simplification of a point of view that, that, you know, when you read in history about people who, who built things, that, but they, they never built anything. They built it, but they didn't do it. Jesus is building it, but you're doing it. Are you with me? He's the one working it. He's the one creating the scenarios, moving the situations. He has people on earth and he has angels in heaven. And we are here working together to see his church built and glorified. Amen. And so you are the ones in which he is using to build the house. And so what is it that we need to bring? What are we building for the king? What do we build? What do we bring to the house to build the house that the house may be reflective of Jesus Christ? So what do we do? What do we bring? And so we've got three, uh, three wise men. We don't have three wise men. We probably we had wise men, a lot more wise men than three, because they brought with them treasure chests, which is quite extraordinary. I, I want you to know something about Jesus. He wasn't poor. All right. He, he was born rich. Uh, he was born with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which are frankincense and myrrh, some of the most exclusive and expensive um, things that you can get, um, herbs and oils and ointments. And in fact, um, they still are today uh, because they're extremely difficult um, to source. And, uh, and gold, obviously, we understand the value of gold. And so the first thing that Jesus is, is, um, is given is gold. And, and I want us to understand that, you know, gold... Is one of the, it's an amazing thing, gold. They were talking about it um, quite recently, trying to understand in the time of cult, in the time of recession, uh, what is it that people turn to when they want something of value? How, how can you want to invest into something? Because we only say something's valuable because we say it is. You know, we invest into houses, but house prices go up and, and sometimes they go down, but they're only valuable because we say they're valuable. But sometimes, but whenever it doesn't matter from what age we've been from, whenever times are difficult, gold is the thing that they always go back to. Uh, and uh, scientists have this sort of theory that, that gold um, actually came from meteorites, that it wasn't on the earth to begin with. Uh, I don't know about that, but, um, but whatever it is, it, what they're saying is that, that, that gold is sort of not earthly. It's something which sits upon the earth, which they don't understand really how it got there. Well, well, God put it there. Uh, and, and it's reflective of something of, he, God takes the, the things of this earth and he says, you see that thing? That's like me. You see that part of the kingdom? This, this is, you see that natural, you see that tree growing? That's like your life in me. And he takes the natural things, but he created gold 
And gold is so pure, it's used for so many incredible things. But gold is also reflective of the nature of what we bring to God. When we come to God and we come and we give Him everything, we say, Jesus, I come and I give you everything. Well, words is not giving you everything. If you're just saying, if you say you give Him everything, but you don't give Him everything, you didn't give Him everything. Your life, that has to be, as, as James says, your actions must meet your words if it's true faith. And so when we say to Jesus, I give you everything, we, He wants us to see what we're really doing. In Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 12, we see that Jesus went to have a look at the offering being given. I like that. You know, we, we have this very... Um, we live in a culture where it's, uh, it's all very hush-hush, isn't it? The offering basket goes round and, and everyone feels a little exposed. Just slip it in there. I don't want anyone to know. And it's all very secret. Jesus comes along and he wants to, he wants to know who's giving and how much. And uh, he's looking in the offering. And, and not only that, but he's talking about it with his boys while the money's going in. Look at that rich bloke. Look at that. He put in quite a bit of money, but nothing compared to how much he's got. That's a bit miserable, isn't it? And he's, he's chatting away, and they're all having a bit of a laugh. And then he sees this old woman come along. She's absolutely poverty-ridden. Uh, and she comes along with two coins. She drops it in, and Jesus goes, There you are. That's the offering I was looking for. And the boys are going, What? That was just a tiny offering. And Jesus, um, Jesus goes, No. That they all gave out of their wealth. They gave out of what they had. But it didn't, it didn't cost them anything. Yeah. Here, this woman, she's given everything she has. Yeah. What did she give? She gave gold. You see, she gave out of the fullness and the purity of her heart. She connected to God and said, I'm going to give everything that I have. That's why your offering that you give in the, uh, on a Sunday is important. But your offering isn't just part of your, your life. Your offering is what you give in the whole of your life. What you bring to the house on a Sunday. The attitude you come with. The connection that you make to people. Are you giving gold or are you just giving something? Just, just your presence. We don't need your presence. Presence, we need your gold. Your gold is what makes a difference in people's lives. Do you ever meet someone in a workplace? You go maybe into Starbucks uh, or one of these sort of regular chains and they have huge amounts of staff and they have these, these staff structures and, and you get loads of workers and you meet loads of people working there and you expect a certain kind of standard. Uh, you expect quality, but you kind of know what you're going to get. You understand that. To be fair, it's like you know how you're going to be treated, you know, and they're all nice and perfectly pleasant. But then you meet somebody who just shines above the rest. They do that little bit more. They're not being paid to do more. They just do it because something in their heart says, I want to give gold. You know, when we come to Christ, it is, our, it is imperative we understand if we're going to give anything, we must give gold. When you come and you give your worship, do you give gold or you just give your voice? When you, when you come to Christ, we come and we give Him gold. You know, it says in, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters. With deep respect and fear. 
Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Verse 9, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven. He has no favorites. Here we have Paul writing to the church and he's saying to everyone, whether you're a servant or the Bible in the old King James, it calls them a bond servant. Um, And you have to understand slavery in those days had a different context to it does today. It was actually, if you were a slave, you landed a job. Slaves even got paid. All right, and they were bond servants, and in, in Jewish tradition, you would be slave for a period of time, and then you would be free to go your way, or you could carry on working for your boss over that time period. You had security, you, you had a pension, um, you were taken care of for life. And so, we're understanding you've got to understand, we're not talking the kind of slavery that we understand in today's yeah. context. Paul isn't talking to that kind of slavery, he's talking to someone about a job position. Um, sure, there was kind of restrictions on what they could do in that job position. So we're understanding that. But he's talking to the masters and he's talking to the slaves. He's saying, look, God has got no favorites. When you come, whatever you do in life, bring gold. Whatever you do in life, do it to God. And if you're doing it to God, you've got to do your best. You've got to give your best. You've got to bring gold. The wise men, they came from the east and they brought treasure chests full of gold. It says of their treasure chest, there was plural chest, and they brought them to Jesus. They certainly weren't intending on taking them back. They'd just come a long way. It was a heavy load, and they they were happy to offload that on Jesus. Jesus was raised wealthy. And so the family had wealth. That wealth enabled them to escape from Bethlehem to Egypt, enabled them to, to survive in that period and also to come back. And that is the wealth that Christ has. And he had it because men gave everything they had. And we hear Jesus is building his house. What are you going to bring him? Are you going to bring him everything? Are you going to give him everything? Amen? The second thing is they bring is frankincense. And frankincense is, a, is an amazing perfume with a horrible name. And uh, ruined because of Frankenstein. It just, just has that kind of connotation. Frankincense, amazing. You can't imagine them being silly, being marketing perfume, can you? Frankincense. For the woman you don't really approve of. <laughs> <laughs> frankincense is an amazing perfume. The, the amazing thing about pure frankincense that one drop in this room would fill the whole place. It has an incredible rich aroma. Um, and it, it's not just an aroma, it has incredible, um, it's incredibly pungent, but it also has amazing healing properties. Um, it's known. Um, it's a lot of uh, research has been done on it. It's also used by the pharmaceutical industry. It's also known to, to um, aid um, the problems with arthritis and bring healing to arthritis amongst a number of other conditions. And, and frankincense is um, uh, part of the spices that they would... It was used exclusively in the tabernacle. And the priests would use it when they were coming into the tabernacle and it would be burnt in the altar of incense 
so that the aroma filled the place that they may worship God and enter into the most holy place. They couldn't enter before the presence of God without the aroma of frankincense. Now, what that means is that frankincense equals the presence of God. It's like they brought to them frankincense. It says in Psalm 141, listen to this. Psalm 141, verse 1 says, O Lord, I'm calling to you. Please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Here's a man desperate. This is what he says. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. How did they go in? They will go into the most holy place with an incense in the place and they go in with upheld hands and they went into the holy place in worship before God. Frankincense is what, is what took. It was, the, it was the aroma that filled the place. And when we come before the king, how do we come? We come before him in prayer and adoration and worship. We come in and as we come into his presence, we come in with this amazing aroma. See, what happens is that as we pray, God fills the place with his presence, with his aroma, and he carries us into his glorious favor. All right? So you see, there are different aspects. When they were in the holy place, the aroma would fill the place. And that represented his presence. But his presence was there to carry us into his closer presence, his grace and his favor, the holy place, the, the, the tabernacle of, of mercy, the mercy seat. In other words, when we pray, we're crying out, Paul, uh, David is crying out for help. And as he's crying out for help, he's going, God, help me. As he prays, the presence of God comes around him. Accept my prayer as an altar. Accept my prayer. Let me read it. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. And you see, what happens is that when you spend time in the presence of God, the aroma comes around you. You know what? When you've spent time with people who have an aroma, you walk away and you go, I can still smell them. And the smell equals the person. That person's still with you. If I'm having a little snuggle with Cheryl, there's an aroma. Yeah, yeah, I know. I can walk away. There's a the, there's an aroma. Yeah, there's the perfume that she wears. Let's get this clear. There's a there's an aroma. Cheryl looks at me, Kevin, and uh, there's a there's a perfume. The perfume that she has worn, she's put on her neck, is now on my neck. It's now on my shirt. It's now around me because there's a little bit of intimacy going on. Are you with me here? Is that all right? Why is that wrong? We all understand what we're talking about here. I don't even understand why that's a problem. The bottom line is... I should choose my words carefully. <laughs> what, happens is, what happens is this. When you walk away, you still smell. You can smell the smell. Why is it the word smell is wrong? 
It's also a good word as well as a bad word. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about the presence of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Your corrupt minds are ruining it for me. I can feel myself sinking in sinking sand. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Gabby. You know what happens is that when we spend time in prayer, His presence is around us. When we walk away from that presence, other people know where we've been because of how we are now different. People say, you look different. Why do you look different? Well, because you've been praying, and when you were praying, His presence came around you, carries you, it touches your life. You want to be different, pray. As you cry out to Him, His presence comes with you. Now, there's another gift they brought, and that gift is the gift of myrrh. And myrrh represents something else. It represents the anointing. I want you to know there's something different between the presence of God and the anointing of God. All right? It's different. Two different things. Two different purposes. The presence of God comes with the frankincense. That's the beautiful aroma. Now, myrrh also has an amazing aroma, and myrrh was used for anointing. Now, <coughs> myrrh is also incredible, incredibly medicinal. Um, it's used um, for many different um, issues. It's used for, for, uh, for many different healing issues that people, sicknesses that people have. It's even known to um, fight cancer and they use it in pharmacy. They use it in pharmacy for mouthwash uh, and it has incredible healing properties. But myrrh is known in the Bible for the, in the, um, it was used as the principal ingredient along with cinnamon, um, and olive oil for the anointing oil that was poured over the priest as he went in um, before he was able to do any ministry. Now, anointing is one of the... It's a word that I used a few weeks ago. So it's a Christian word, isn't it? We just love the anointing. Nobody knows what you're talking about. It's just the anointing. We like that word. It's got a, it rolls off the tongue. Anointing. It sounds spiritual, but we don't even know what it means. But the, the anointing... It was actually started by shepherds. And what happened is that shepherds would take their sheep and to stop the sheep from getting um, ticks and bugs and things which would get into the ear, get into the ears and cause um, disease and cause death in their sheep, they would take the sheep and they would pour oil over their heads and get oil into their ears and over their head. And as they poured it over their head, what would happen is the ticks and bugs, they wouldn't be able to get a hold because the, 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 head, the, the, wool, the wool was slippery and the, the bugs wouldn't be able to get a grip. And so they would be, they would be um, just free of disease. And what happened over time is that that, that usage became known, it became symbolic um, of prosperity, of, of, of protection, of blessing, um, of empowerment. And so this oil that was poured over, and so it became known. So God said to Moses, when he wants his priestly ministry established, you have to anoint the priest. 
as he's going into ministry. Before he can come into minister before me, he has to be anointed. Why does he have to be anointed? So he can come into my presence and be minister. He can be free of things which can get a hold of him. He's prepared for me. How's he prepared for me? Anointing oil has been poured over his head and now the things that would be able to get a hold can't get a hold and he's now able to minister to me. See, God wants us anointed and so what we have to bring before him is that we bring before him the ministry of myrrh and the anointing is to bring healing and restoration. We are anointed by God to bring healing and ministry and restoration. It says here in, in, in Corinthians, uh, Corinthians chapter 2, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Go with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Who has given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What is the anointing that we have? What is it that we bring into the house we bring the ministry of reconciliation or the ministry of healing what is it that we bring we bring we bring our gold we bring our frankincense which is our worship and our prayer and we bring a healing of reconciliation in the hearts and lives of others that is what we bring we bring reconciliation we bring healing jesus said when he was standing up in the in the um, in the temple, he came uh, and he spoke with words. That he said, no one speaks to us like this. And all Jesus has done is he read from the book of Isaiah. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What happened? Jesus is declaring to them that he is anointed to bring healing. When we come into the house, how do we build the house? We're anointed to bring healing. When we want to build it for the king, what do we do? We do what the king would do. We bring healing, ministry, reconciliation, love on those who are not lovely. Bring hearts together. Restore those things which have been broken. Bring forgiveness where there has been bitterness. Bring restoration into those who feel at a point of tension. Many people carry a tension in their hearts and that tension means that there's an anguish from this person and that person. I, one of the things I often do is I listen in on other people's conversations in coffee shops. I know it's kind of weird but I'm just intrigued by people. Who's not fascinated by the way people think and the way they are and, and one of the most common conversations, if not the only conversation you ever really get to hear, is this conversation. Well, I said to her, I said, I said that I'm, I'm not doing it. I just can't believe the way they would speak to me like that. And so, and so what do you think? And the other person is always there going, yes, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. You have been so wronged. And so people, and it's just, people just live the whole time 
with this constant tension. Tension with their work colleagues, tension with their boss, tension with their family, tension with their mother, tension with their children. Tension, tension all the time. Constantly saying, this person did this and and I did that. Well, Jesus Christ has come to bring reconciliation. And when we want to build it for the king, it is our responsibility to bring reconciliation into the house. People may live in tension out there, but we are here to bring reconciliation to one another, to pour out that anointing oil and to get those bugs out of people's ears. They stop listening to the work of the enemy, stop listening to the work that comes to bring destruction, but here to bring the voice of Jesus Christ that brings healing and restoration. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.